You're listening to The Profile. Hello and welcome to The Profile podcast. I'm Andy Peck. For the past 17 years, I've been interviewing leaders in the church and the wider culture. In the coming weeks, you'll be hearing the best of these conversations, plus some brand new ones as well. It was leadership expert John Maxwell who famously said, leadership is influence. Some have massive influence through their role as a leader of a church or business, a charity or a family. Others have influence in their neighbourhood, a network of friends or through leisure interests. It's our prayer that these conversations will help you in whatever spheres you have influence. This show is brought to you by Premier Christianity Magazine, the UK's leading Christian magazine. Get full online access and the print magazine every month by becoming a subscriber. See special offers available now at premierchristianity.com. The Bible tells us that Abraham is the father of all who have it. We have a whole chapter of men and women who had it, and Jesus believed the lack of it meant that men and women were impoverished. In these opening riddles, I'm referring, of course, to faith. If you're a Christian in leadership, then, of course, you have saving faith. But do you have the faith that you need to have to be the influence that God has called you to be where he has placed you? And if you haven't, how might you obtain more and how might you help those you lead to develop more? Well, I'm joined on the leadership show by Dr. Pete Carter, who serves as senior leader at Eastgate Church in Gravesend and is the author of a book entitled Faith discovering and using the resources of heaven in which he describes and outlines his own journeys and understanding of this critical topic and the wonderful ways in which god has worked in congregations and ministries that he's been engaged with including sharing some astonishing testimonies at the end of each chapter and full disclosure uh, as the interviewer i've been uh, firsthand to the church uh, and studied uh, a weekly course there some years ago so welcome back pete to the leadership show Thanks, Andy. Lovely to be with you again. Thank you. And um, we, we we have talked about your your first book, so I'm going to ask you. This is the second book. So, uh, yes. what what attracted you to this particular topic on your second book? I think it's probably the most common thing I think and talk about in Christianity: faith. Mm. And um, I, looking back, I think it's always been true. Um, and people have referred to me about my faith stuff that I mm. do, and I. I I never used to know what it was. In my sense, I think it was yeah. quite natural for me to move in faith. So when people talked about that, to try and work out what it was. And so really, I, I went on a journey of, of trying to be able to encapsulate what faith is, um, how to grow in faith, and then also the enemies of faith, which are the three sections of the book. So mm. I think a lot of people mistake hope for faith. Um, and praying in hope is, is good, but it's not the same as praying in faith so that those are key ingredients i also think that that people are not very willing to own up to their own unbelief um because they think it's a bit of a condemnation but i don't think it is i just think it's a, a good assessment of yourself and i i like the guy who said i do believe and that i have faith but help me in my unbelief and i think that's true of all christians there are certain areas of our christianity where we have concrete faith that can't be shaken like you might say personal salvation going to heaven but aspects of faith where we're not so <clears throat> confident say in praying for the praying for healing for people where we need to grow in our faith and that's that's a big context and in the start of the book pete you uh, you talk about this metaphor of of the thames and uh yeah. the the pollution and and you did a bit of 
research, which uh, you know you you expound at some length, and and this is a metaphor for you for for faith and the culture of faith. Yeah, I I was um I've been writing the book a long time, and I was struggling to finish it, and I, I knew I needed help from God, basically because I, I was seeing people weren't quite absolutely catching on with what I was trying to say. So I asked God and he, he told me to study the River Thames. Um, and I know the River Thames well. I've lived near it most of my life. But uh, on my study, of it, I discovered that in 1957, it was declared biologically dead, which was, oh, that's interesting. Um, so a river that, that was, you know, in one sense, pure at source in the Cotswolds, somehow en route, particularly going through the, the city of London, became so polluted that it wasn't... Uh, wasn't just a little bit polluted. It was it was declared dead. It couldn't carry any life. And right. and then then I remember from my childhood as I was growing up, there was a journey towards. And I don't remember it starting, but I remember that I remember the news broadcast one day. I think in my teens when they dis- said they discovered fish in the River Thames, and I was a bit shocked. And I was, I thought, what fish in our River Thames? And then I started to realise that was the potential of life within the river because people have been dealing with the issue of pollution. And I think it's a great spiritual metaphor um, that we have a river of life in us, the Holy Spirit. Is it possible for us to pollute him? I think it is. And that pollution can get such that actually the fullness of life is not expressed in our Christianity. So that that's the metaphor that we have. And also that it's a corporate response rather than a corporate responsibility rather than an individual one. So Jesus when he was asked by disciples why we couldn't uh, heal the boy who was thrown into the fire, he said that because you're a, a perverse and unbelieving generation, which is a, a corporate thing, but he's saying perverse is not is how it's meant to be, unbelieving. So he actually made the diagnosis that we need to deal with our unbelief and faith uh, needs to sit alongside that side of things. Um, so, that, yeah, I found it a very helpful metaphor, which people have latched onto, that we can all see there's a responsibility, like cleaning up, the plastic in our oceans, for instance, we all have a responsibility towards that common goal. Uh, and uh, authors are often kind of answering questions in their head, either their own head or ones that mm. congregation members have, have asked them. Uh, were there particular questions that you felt you were helpfully addressing in the book? Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> um, hopefully a lot of them. <laughs> but <laughs> the number one question, because I, I teach a lot around, you know, a naturally supernatural lifestyle and in particular healing, do healing conferences, healing school. Um, if I remember rightly, when you did our evening school, I think I've spoken on it twice by mistake. <laughs> yes, <laughs> do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but always, nearly always, almost without uh, exception, when I go for a Q&A, the first question is, well, what about people who don't get healed? which is a very good question, which is answered in the Bible. And I think we need to be able to address it from a biblical standpoint, which is what I try and do in the book. Because I think if we don't address it from a biblical standpoint, we're left dealing with it from an emotional response point of view. Um, and that doesn't help us move forward. And I long to see healing established as a normal component of Christianity, just in our normal Christian lives. And then particularly as a doctor in also engaging with the realms of healthcare. Um, which we have done at Eastgate and just as a, you know, we run our healing centre, which got, you know, accepted uh, as a complementary service alongside our local health services. Um, so that's the excitement that I feel in that realm. And, and I've got to ask, is, is it possible to summarise the biblical answer or do people need to read the book? <laughs> well, I think the biblical answer is is the one I alluded to um, Jesus said, okay, it's a perverse and unbelieving generation. So so I think 
when you deal with the subject of lack of faith, why people don't get healed, often it gets, I want to remove any individual blame or responsibility for it. So we don't have the, the sole claim on a healing that does happen, just as like I don't think we have the sole responsibility for when it doesn't happen. Um, Jesus didn't condemn people about it, but he was quite realistic, and then he showed a way forward. So I think, you know, being willing to to address our unbelief, and I, I believe unbelief is is the generic name for spiritual pollution. So unbelief has lots of different manifestations. Then the other thing I think is being clear about what faith is um, and what it isn't. Um, and how normal it is actually within humanity. Faith is not a, a just a Christian thing. If you supplement the word trust, um, and trust is, is broadly speaking a relational issue, then how our faith in God is, is a relational connection to God. Um, and unbelief is is actually in some ways a lack of connection to the resources of Godding as being and all the resources of heaven. So how do we increase that connection with God so that we overcome our unbelief? And then the third section of the book is 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 really uh, a section on how you positively grow in faith, not just redress your unbelief. Yeah, yeah. And and you as a as a church um, have been on a journey. Um, you, you shared some of that story in in the book um, you know, from a, a, a small village in North Kent uh, now to, to Gravesend, uniting with another church uh, and becoming something of a hub for certainly the southeast, if not other parts of the UK. Uh, for a confident faith in in God's capacity to do the miraculous, uh, and that's quite a journey. Um, uh, and and some have kind of sought to to learn from you. Um, yeah. I guess that brings with it the, its own pressures and challenges. It does. I guess um, I was fortunate in many ways. I, I was asked to lead a church when I was a full time doctor. Um, and I say that was fortunate because basically it meant that I didn't do everything. And I said to the church, <laughs> I can do this. I'm busy life. As long as we all do this together, uh, as long as we're all committed at the same level um, and, and you don't expect of me what you wouldn't expect of yourself, then that's fine. So that sense of, OK, we all have the same thing. We all have the same Holy Spirit, but we have different gifts to operate. And one of the things I said right early on, so this is back in 1988 when I started to lead the church, I I, I, got, I think God gave me again an image of, I said, I, I wanted us to create a, an oasis of faith in the desert of unbelief, because I believe the UK is basically speaking um, an unbelieving society. Um, it's, not, it's not a believing society, really. It's, it's more an unbelieving society. And also, unfortunately, I see that, that sometimes churches are actually struggling with their unbelief. So I wanted to make sure that we, we were an oasis of faith. Um, and I think as we were faithful with that, we just grew and grew and grew. And then we got more testimonies and more stories and people wanted to to know our secrets, so to speak. <laughs> and I got invited increasingly to go out and speak, particularly about healing. And people would ask me, can you come and teach us how to pray for the sick? And that was interesting. Because I thought, well, I've never I've never thought about how to do it. I just kind of do it because um, <laughs> I, I believe I'm connected to God. And I, so I studied, again, through the Gospels in particular, and I realized that Jesus didn't give us a how-to um, of how to do miracles. Basically, he, he always attributed it to, to our connection with him, which is faith in action. Um, so, so I think it came with pressures. It, it, it does have structural pressures, but I think the spiritual philosophy and principles have been pretty much the same throughout um, to this day. And I, I guess I look back, I was born again when I was 16, into from a non-religious background into a charismatic environment and i was i was fortunate not to bring any 
um, religious baggage with me because I didn't have any. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have any religion because, um, and I think that was that was a key thing. And so when I started leading a church, we just went the same way, um, and we've learned en route. There'll be many listeners who lead churches, charities, maybe in the business world. They're 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 aware that they're perhaps leading people who are less confident in their faith. Who maybe they've they've tried things or they've sought to um, go out on a limb, and and it hasn't been appreciated. Um, uh, you work with you know lots of local churches. You go and visit them, and, and you pick up some of that culture, some of the cultural baggage, perhaps. What what would you say to Christians in leadership who um, are aware that they want to move things on, but they're not quite sure how to, and they're very, a bit nervous mm. that they're going to lose face along the way? I, th- I think one of the big issues, the biggest issues, is overcoming disappointment and not being frightened to name disappointment. Um, so if, if I pray for somebody to be healed and they're not healed, I believe I should be disappointed. Otherwise, I'm not actually engaged with the person. It's, it's a bit of a duty. Um and I think if you want to move into this more supernatural, nat- naturally supernatural lifestyle as a Christian, you have to face the reality that you will have to overcome disappointment on a regular basis. Um, until I've got 100% healing record, <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be, and I haven't, I'm far off it. Hmm. So even for me, you know, and I've got lots of stories and, and, and Leasegate, we, we have to be willing to embrace the possibility of, of disappointment and know how to overcome it. And I think that's a key. Um, and I think sometimes Christians feel it's, it's almost not, you're not allowed to say it. Um, I, I don't think there's any shame attached to saying I'm disappointed about that. But if you don't overcome the disappointment, there's a danger that that can turn into a sort of a, an antipathy or even a bitterness with regard to, to that, which actually, and you don't want to face the pain of disappointment. Therefore, the pain of disappointment becomes an anticipation and therefore you don't step out in faith. That for me is, is, is one of the keys. And I think sometimes leaders of churches try and guard their flocks from the pain of disappointment. Um, and if you do that, you're not going to step forward very far. Sure. No, that's, that's well said. Thank you. Um, a slightly different question, Pete, and that is to do with the, the way in which um, Christian ministries um, seek to brand themselves as as having the answer and you've already alluded to the fact that you don't think there's quotes a way to do it but nonetheless there's you, you've you know you've learned a series of practices that that maybe give give some wisdom um and there seems to be a, a kind of competition within the christian world for you know this is our brand or our stream or our denomination that's that's kind of got the answers to these things and come our way and you get more faith and clearly that there's elements of that that must be true because there are clearly branches of the church that are, are very moribund and unbelieving. So how do you kind of yeah. straddle the two in, in believing that, yeah, uh, there are some who are anointed and seem to be moving things uh, without actually um, saying that, uh, you know, they, they have the, the technique that's going to uh, unlock it for everybody? Um, well, first off, I, I teach that there are no techniques at work. <laughs> and so that that's a really important i say god works not techniques um and it i it, it raises my sort of a consciousness a bit if somebody says oh it works it works is a hmm, what works it, so are you trusting your technique rather than trusting god jesus didn't give us techniques so i think what the bible teaches is paul paul, paul asked people to imitate his faith not his techniques 
Um, I think Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Not, not, let me teach you some techniques with regard to healing. He said he always attributed to faith. So, and faith, as I say, is, is a relational construct, not, not a technique. I think Christians like technique because it gives them something that they can sort of almost be in control of, they can do, follow a pattern and hope that it works. And sometimes it does work because there's faith in the mix and God responds to faith. <laughs> and he does, and he's sorry. But they then validate the, the, the technique rather than the faith in God. Does that make sense? So, so I think, you know, it, oh, it worked. Okay, well, what worked? Um, and basically the biblical answer is faith works. What is faith? That's why you have to deal with that. It's like it's not uncommon, you know. In evangelism, we love techniques, you know. Like this is this is this is the stages of evangelism. Um, in building churches, we we like techniques, and we've all tried them. If you're church leader, there are cell groups, and there's <laughs> there's there's also all sorts of ways we we we, we adopt from other people. Um, and sometimes we adopt stuff that's working somewhere else because they've got a, a growing situation, and we, we we adopt a technique to help us grow, but they're actually their, their their mechanism is actually coping with growth, not creating growth. Um, so I, I think, broadly speaking, I'm, I'm looking and, and I'd, I'd like to see whether I like, celebrate what faith they have got. I think the other side of things is that I think every church is unique and has different strengths and we need each other. Um, and no one church is complete without other churches. Um, and the willingness to uh, what I call mutual submission. So if somebody's got something good from God, I want to go and get it. You know, um, but I don't want to make them the experts on all of Christianity. But I'm, I'm really, I'm very ready to 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 travel to somewhere I think God is doing something specific, so I can get into that realm of blessing and bring it home and incorporate it into our own environment. Um, and I think that's that's the way I would go about it. And, and you certainly, as a church, have have valued um, Bethel Church in Redding, California, um, and, and have learned much from them. And yet, you've also kind of charted your own pathway within it so you're not a kind of clone of bethel would that be fair yeah i think sometimes people have thought we were a bethel church they they don't have well they have a few now because they're planting specific churches but mm. i would say we've always had good relational connection uh since mm. 2009 in particular when kim and i spent three months there so we built good good friendships out of which we we were enabled to actually invite a lot of them here so we benefited from from if you like the good stuff but they would say it, and I would say it, that basically when people come to Eastgate, we say, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Now, nobody's got it 100%, but you know, we have very good relational connections with other other people. But the one with Bethel was particularly, has been particularly strong since about 2009. Um, I think there's a lot to learn. Um, but basically also I look at two-way relationships, how one learns from the other as well. So I think that's what I'm, I always look for, two-way relationships, not just one way. Sure. Um, and in terms of um, leadership and the importance of faith in, leader, in, in leadership, many Christians are burned by the fact that they, they had a leader who seemed to have great faith and told them that God was going to do this, that or the other. Uh, and they followed because, you know, the Bible encourages us to submit to authority and it didn't work out. And, and maybe they were disappointed in the character or the behavior of the leader or maybe it, it just fizzled out. Um, uh, so any thoughts for, for those listening for whom this whole area of faith has, they become a bit sceptical because they were, they put their trust in a, in a, in a person and it, it, it was ill-founded. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think we do put our trust in people. That is another aspect of faith. We put our faith in people. You know, if I need a, my car mended, I put my faith in the car mechanic. I'm no good at it myself. So, so that's a normal human construct. So I think we do put faith in other Christians, Christian leaders, and sometimes they disappoint us, let us down, um, or sometimes maybe, you know, they go in a different direction that God's called to. That's not where we want to go. I think things can go wrong. I think it can sometimes be on the rampart where we, you know, maybe some selfish ambition and hopes and desires were in our heart, what this could mean. So, so I think it's, it's complex. Um, but I think the thing is, I believe that God's calling and, and gifts on our life are irrevocable and no human being can actually stop them coming into being ultimately. There, there might be some delays. And if you think of Joshua and Caleb, for instance, they had to endure a, a significantly long delay I bet they were thoroughly disappointed in the 10 spies who yeah, gave 40 the years delay, yes. so they, they, they were you know that would have been thoroughly disappointing frustrating what did they do with themselves they made sure when they got the chance they were ready and you know, Caleb said I'm as strong today so so and they their destiny their destiny they still fulfilled um and I, I would encourage people like that say that if you believe it's God he can bring it about but you might be dealing with delays that's why there's two chapters in, in my book um, called Dealing with Delay, because I think it's a really, really important question. And during the process of delay, God can strengthen your faith. And that's 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 what it says of Abraham. Abraham, when in Romans four, you know, he had a 25 year delay between yeah. the promise and the reality. And it talked about him being strengthened in his faith. Um, and I think so. I think those difficult times, if you're still connecting with God and trust in him, then your faith will grow. But if you actually allow disappointment to overwhelm you, then you will that, that will turn into a negative for you. Um, so I think, yes, be disappointed. Also, I say to people, you can't forgive an institution. Like people say, oh, the church hurt me. Well, that, that, no, you have to get a bit more specific about it. Yes. If somebody, you can forgive a person, you can't forgive an institution. It's like the church. Well, what specifically do you have to do with to move on with that? Um, and and I, th I think it's too easy to blame the church. You can see, or so if, if it's an issue, then and the Bible is very clear about moving on from unforgiveness or anything like that that can hold us back. Um, so I understand it. Kim and I have been through it ourselves. You know, we've been in places that where we weren't flourishing, we had to move on. Um, I learned a lot from those situations about what how I wouldn't lead a church. <laughs> so so you know, how I would choose not mm -hmm. to. Um, so I think God works all things for good for those who love him. So I trust in that implicitly. And I think anybody can do that. But what I think a mistake people make is sometimes they choose out of church, which I think is the biggest mistake, because God's purposes are worked out through his body, which is the church, the community. And you can trust him in that to, to fulfill. Uh, Peter, as we come to the end of our conversation, just um, obviously we'd like to know how to get the book, but also... Uh, other things that you do, you you have this uh, Living Fire gathering uh, and also a, a podcast, which people can listen to if they're enjoying uh, the, the the conversation and the kind of the tone, then um, they can also hear you in, in other places. Uh, yeah, both the books are on Amazon, obviously Faith, that's that's one, Faith by Pete Carter. The other one's Unwrapping Lazarus, which is there. That's free to live as God intended. So that tells a lot about my life story. Um, Living Fire, basically on every second Wednesday in the month at Eastgate. Um, if you go to eastgate.org.uk, find where we are. We have a gathering for church leaders, which is open to anybody, where we're encouraging people, connecting people. 
And that goes from 10 in the morning to till about 12.30 and people can stay around for lunch. Um, and that's really to support and encourage and develop church leaders alongside one another. Um, we've got our School of Supernatural Life, uh, ESSEL, um, which has a daytime component. So every Friday from the beginning of October to the end of May, we take people on the journey, 9.30 to 5.30 on a Friday. And also we've got online school, which is which is version of evening school that you did, Andy. So, um, um, And then in the healthcare world, we've got Heaven in Healthcare, which is a big organisation that uh, we've developed here at Eastgate, um, heaveninhealthcare.com. Um, and then we run conferences. We've got lots of resources. We're very, we've been very blessed by God. And we feel that, you know, he's, he's really filled our warehouse so that we can fill other people's bags whenever they come to us. No, it's fabulous to hear. Thank you, Pete. Well, thank you for, for this book. And uh, obviously I'm encouraging uh, listeners to, to get a copy and to read it and to work through it and to pray through it. So thank you so much for all you've shared. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It was lovely to chat with Pete Carter, the senior leader of Eastgate Church in Gravesend. And I hope our conversation was faith building wherever you are in your journey and whatever challenges your leadership is currently throwing up. Why not get a copy of his book or get in touch with the Living Fire Gathering that meets at the Eastgate Church on the second Wednesday of the month. Church leaders gather from across the southeast and from both sides of the River Thames. I was fascinated by the metaphor of the pollution of the river. Jesus promised that streams of living water would flow from within us. So it's good to spot any blockages that are preventing that and remove the source of any contaminants to be preventing us from knowing the refreshment of God daily. So this is Andy Peck thanking you for your company today and looking forward to the next time. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Profile in association with Premier Christianity magazine. <laughs>